Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another exciting episode of Cast Dice. It has been said that we are in the middle of a gaming renaissance. There are just too many good games out there that we can be spending our hobby time and our hobby dollars on. I mean, it's sometimes hard not to get a serious a serious case of fear of missing out. And that's kind of what this podcast is all about. Uh, it's to talk about big things that are happening in the gaming industry, uh, the games that my guests and I love, and just general events um, that you know promote tabletop gaming in general. Uh, this is a tabletop gaming. Uh, we, we, we talk about miniature war games, occasionally board games, and other fun things that are related. Now, this is a bit of an um, editorial episode. Um, it's, it's a little interesting. Uh, it is a fan request. Um, now, in, since Cast Dice has started, we have done an episode about Kings of War. We have done um, several episodes about Age of Sigmar, and we've done, you know, a lot of fantasy-type related, ga- fantasy-related gaming conversation, I guess is what I'm trying to say. And I guess today is a response, because there is another game out there. There's another dark horse in the running. And you might even say it's the parent game that all of these games sort of ran off of, so to speak. Um, and that would be Warhammer. Now, I hear many of you saying, but but isn't Warhammer dead? Didn't Games Workshop kill it? And that, boys and girls, is today's topic. I have had a just a deluge of uh, requests over the last year to talk about a particular flavor of tabletop fantasy wargaming, a rank-and-flank game that we all know and love from years and years and years that has continued despite uh, its death. And joining me today is a big fan of that game, uh, a gentleman I know from a bolt-action event, weirdly. Uh, I'd like to welcome Jack welcome Jack Williams to cast dice. My God! Jack, Welcome! Fantastic. Thanks, Brad. Thanks for having me on the show. Great to uh, to chat nine. Nice. Now, you're talking ninth age, or as as to put it in perspective, ninth edition of Warhammer Fantasy. Now, Warhammer Fantasy, of course, ran up through eighth edition, and Games Workshop famously ended it uh, with the end times and then brought out Age of Sigmar. And we've heard about everyone's... We've talked to countless people who left Warhammer after its death and congregated in other game systems, you know, flocked to uh, greener pastures because the Mm. pasture they knew and loved died. And yet it continues. So tell us a little bit about Ninth Age. So how, if Games Workshop killed this game, what's its story? So so I guess um, Ninth Age, yeah, once Games Workshop uh, finished 8th edition and Mm -hmm. started producing Age of Sigma, um, a bunch of people got together who still wanted to play Rank and Flank basically, mm-hmm. uh, still wanted the massed fantasy battles the, of the style of 8th edition, mm-hmm. um, but who, I guess, acknowledged that 8th edition had a few um, balance challenges and some rules, mm-hmm. que- you know, quibbles and that sort of thing, um, and basically got together and said, well, we need to put a game together that is community-driven, that um, that still is the game that we want to play, um, but can still grow and add units and add armies and resolve some of those rules issues. And um, and a bunch of people got together, formed a bunch of different committees, and uh, Ninth Age is the is the rule system we got now. Now that has been going on for quite a while. I mean, that process yeah. didn't necessarily happen overnight, but I know there were early iterations. Um, but what we we've seen in the last year is an actual polished, fully developed rule set with army lists. Is am I correct? That's exactly right. Yeah. So you're right. Right at the start of the of the game system. A uh, bunch of updates, tweaks, uh, balances. They're probably doing a changes every, I don't know, it probably ended up every three, four months they were doing small changes. Mm-hmm. Um, but they reached a point in December last year where they said this is the gold, what they call gold rule set, the frozen rule set. Basically, the, the final edition, if you like, like uh, like uh, Games Workshop used to do. Mm-hmm. They'll fro- they've frozen the base rule set. They said that's it. And now they're going through the process of updating the army's books. So uh, at the moment, obviously, we've got army book for all of the uh, all of the old fantasy armies. Mm-hmm. Those are all sort of um, being created over the period as well. And they've just released uh, the sort of beta rule set for the demons book and the warriors book. Nice. So they've taken those and sort of stepped those away from 
a, a little bit further away from what the old uh, 8th edition was and sort of added new units and, yeah, really gone for some bigger changes in those ones. Nice. Now, when you talked about the 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 army list a minute ago, um, mm. now I'm, I'm getting my editions mixed up. It's been a long week. But I think <laughs> it's, was it 5th edition that had the famous, or it may have been 6th, it was 6th, that had the Ravening Hordes book. So at one point, yeah. Games Workshop killed every Warhammer Fantasy mm. army book that existed and restarted them all. And they gave out this pamphlet that was called Ravening Hordes. And it was literally a pamphlet, but <laughs> it, it gave you a base, uh, a, a little tiny army list, a three or four page army list for every army that kind of existed in the game. Um, and then quickly thereafter, they came out with full army books. So that was their way of so putting a line in the sand and restarting it are the lists that exist i know you're talking about teasing out brand new you know fully developed books um or you know fully developed more developed lists how much more developed are the base lists than perhaps the ravening horde list am i making sense yeah no i i see what you mean um i'd liken that so every army has its own army book at the moment so we've got 16 sort of base armies mm -hmm. i'd liken those army books to like the back of the old eighth edition books you know when you yes. had all of the fluff and the guff at the, at the front mm -hmm. and then the back you had all of the rules for your army i'd liken them to to just that and now oh. they're going through the process of releasing all of the front of the book in, in stages. So I said the warriors have, and the demons, the demons just got a beautiful new uh, fully fleshed out book that has fluff in there. It's got some beautiful community created artwork. Nice. Uh, yeah. Like, like a full eight third book, color book sort of thing. Nice. All right. Well, okay. That gives us our backdrop, but I feel like there's some pretty hefty elephants in the room that we need to talk about. Um, let's sure. talk, let's talk about the, the biggest, nastiest legal division elephant there is. Um, how does this, I mean, games workshop is famously ugly with its IP. And I know that when they went to age of Sigmar, they renamed everything so they could own everything. Now I know that you, in creating sort of this ninth age, you're able to use a lot of generic fantasy tropes. But if you are creating books for all of those lists, I got to imagine that Games Workshop is going to be cranky about this somewhere along the lines. How, how does this even exist? Yeah, it's a, it's a bit of a delicate um, pathway, I think. The, I'd imagine, uh, yep. Guys walk. <laughs> so you're right. They have renamed... Um, a lot of the units mm -hmm. um, and they've, they've had to create their own artwork. So they're not grabbing any GW artwork or mm -hmm. anything else that's floating around. Um, I, that they have gone through a process of stepping away from uh, some of the old statistics that the, that the previous game had as well. So it's creating a slightly different looking stat line for each of the units. Mm -hmm. So they've, they've sort of gone through a, a process of stepping away as much as they can and creating a game in its own right. Okay. So as I understand, they have managed to avoid um, getting any sort of cease and desists from, from Games Workshop or anything like that. Um, That's impressive, yeah. yeah. Mm. Mm. So with this, with you, you mentioned a change to the stat line. What does a basic stat line for this game look like? I know that in fantasy you compared, you know, weapon skills when you were attacking, and you use ballistic skill when you were trying to shoot. Um, yeah. And I know that Age of Sigmar in the most recent edition of 40k jumped to just having a, a target number you need to roll. Um, are yeah. we still comparing stats in uh, Ninth Age, or does it go sort of that new school GW feel? No, we're, we're pretty much still comparing stats. So nice. uh, but the weapon skill one's the best example because they've split um, offensive weapon skill and defensive weapon skill. So you can have, say, a unit of flagellants, these crazy, mad, uh, bloodlusting warriors mm -hmm. that have a high offensive skill. So, yeah, they're more likely to hit, but a low defensive skill because they're not trying to defend themselves. They just want to get in combat. Oh, interesting. I like it. Yeah. Uh, so the only kind of difference with the um, with the to hit modifiers, I guess, is ballistic skill, which is now applied for uh, each uh, unit for whatever weapon it's carrying. So say a unit of um, of free company 
if they're using a bow, it'll be in the stat line and it'll say bow four plus. And so, you know, you're hitting on a four and mm. then you add your long range or if you're shooting into cover or that sort of thing. Okay. Um, whereas they might have pistols, which are five plus, because it's already considered the fact that you've, say, got double tap on a pistol, like, like you used to add the old, uh, mm-hmm. the old negative for shooting more than once sort of thing. Right. Oh, that makes sense. Nice. So they've kind of tried to simplify certain stats a little bit that way as well. They've they've split um, movement, st- standard movement and march movement now. Mm-hmm. So um, instead of just saying you've got a movement of four and you just double it to get to eight, um, now they say you've got a standard movement of four, but hey, you may have a march movement of 10 to, to reflect the fact that you can march faster but you're charging off your standard movement. So you don't have quite that buff to charging. Oh, nice. Nice. But yeah, That's trying cool. to think quite that way. Nice. I, I, that really gives me the feeling that units have uh, more flavor, perhaps, than mm. they did previously. As you say, you're able to sort of say these guys have littler regard for their own safety um, and you know maybe charge at people willy-nilly, whereas other people might be really defensive in nature, you know, dwarf warriors with shields, for example, or in heavy armor. <laughs> so they may be harder to get through, um, but they are not being as risky with their hand-to-hand combat, for example. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, yep. Nice. All right. Well, uh, let's, let's talk about another one of those elephants then. Um, <laughs> One of the things that a lot of people, because um, I was a full, full fantasy player, full blown fantasy fanatic between end of seventh through the beginning and middle of eighth. And one of the things that I remember people, pardon my French, bitching nonstop about is that was, was the variable charging. Um, mm. Whereas you roll and you add that to your movement. Now, I happen to really like that rule. Um, <laughs> I was wondering how, if you know, given back to the community, did that rule survive? Um, are, do you still roll 2d6 and add it to your movement when you are charging? Or is it um, something that may be a little less uh, swingy? Um, I'm in the same camp as you. I love that rule, and I, I'm happy to say it has actually survived. Good. The, uh... Nice. Yeah, yeah. So it's still 2d6, add your advance. Uh, yeah. All right. Well, let's talk about another one of those rules that people love to hate, and that was magic and how magic mm. worked. Now, there were those big spells, uh, the Dwellers Below, for example, mm. uh, Purple mm-hmm. Sun, uh, Mind Razor, all of those spells that people love to scream about at tournaments and mid-game when you heard someone yelling. You were like, <laughs> what happened? You're like, oh, Mind Razor. Mind Razor. And it was it just, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I may have done that on a podcast or two in my day. Um, but how does that system survive? Because I know magic has always been an integral part of you know the fantasy battle experience. Um, what happens in ninth age? So they've, they've, this is probably the biggest area of change uh, for ninth age. They've kept um, they've kept a lot of the big spells. They may not be quite as big as they were. They've still got comet, for example. You can still throw a, a comet. Mm-hmm. Um, how you generate dice has slightly changed. So so how you power that, up your wizards? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Um, they basically made it such that you draw a card and on that card has got the, the number of power dice that the caster gets and the mm-hmm. number of power dice that the dispelling player gets. Mm-hmm. And then they've got a thing called veil tokens that only the caster gets in that turn. Okay. And then you convert three veil tokens to get you an extra dice. So you can convert up to four. So you can have a maximum of four more dice than whoever you're playing against. Mm-hmm. So it just avoids those really swingy phases, you know, when you used to throw your two d six and you you get the highest, and I get the you get both, and I get the highest. So if you rolled twelve, you you've got a six six dice over the top of me, and it's going to be a massive phase. Yes. So it just it just reduces that a little bit, so that the difference is is not as massive. Um, and then you you basically are reduced from used to be I think six dice was the maximum. You're mm-hmm. down to five dice now. Oh, nice. Um, it also, instead of being miscasting on rolling two sixes, it's mm-hmm. miscasting on rolling any three, uh, any of the same three number of okay. three numbers. Triples, yeah. So, yeah, triples. Yeah. 
which then reduces the um, the impact if you roll, say, a triple one. It has a, a lower uh, – there's a, basically a table that shows you what your miscast result is. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it reduces that as opposed to a triple six, which is the – you can get yourself down the hole, the old down the hole. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Never done that. Don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> right on. All so, right. Yeah, just, it, it gives you that risk and reward. Hey, I can throw five dice at this. Um, but if I'm getting triples, it's it's getting a lot more dangerous at that point. Whereas if I only throw like three dice at this, I can't do the old three dice or, or even two dice and you're all two sixes and you're down the hole and you're like, well, I was just trying to get that little combat buff off and now my wizard's gone. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, I, I, I kind of like that risk and reward though. I mean, I think that, <laughs> you know, if you're going to, if you're going to go big, eh, there might be a chance you go home. Yeah, that's right. It makes it, um, I mean, they've done all the stats and worked it out. It makes it such that if you're throwing five dice, it's actually more likely that you're going to miscast than uh, if you're throwing, than than the old eighth edition. Yeah. Than if you're throwing three dice, it makes it far less likely that you're going to miscast. All right. Well, all right. Well, that's good. Well, let's talk, um, let's talk combat res because Mm. eighth, eighth edition had some detractors who didn't like the fact that um, you could take horde formations, which are you know the giant blocks of troops, and that gave you all sorts of extra bonuses, be it attacks mm. or combat resolution at the end of the combat phase. Um, you know, just by the the notion that you had so many guys backing you up, that um, you would have a significant advantage over you know significantly smaller units that you smashed into, for example. I mean, how yeah. how does that sort of play out in Ninth Age? Is this a similar process? Because, um, as you say, this is a rank and flank game. So having ranks theoretically will make a difference, right? Yeah, for sure. Um, and look, I like I love seeing the big blocks of infantry on the board. Like the, I, I quite like the look of a horde of of infantry. Mm. Um, so they've changed it slightly. So they've they've taken it down from used to be ten wide for a horde. Yeah, it's now eight wide. But you, so you still get the old. I think it was like fight an extra rank. So mm-hmm. you just got like an extra extra rank of um, of guys to fight. Mm-hmm. You still get that, um, but then you don't get your rank bonus to the combat to reflect the fact that you're this sort of massive horde of guys that you're so large and so wide that you've kind of lost your perfect ranks rank formations. Oh. Uh, so yeah, it kind of makes it again, a little bit of a trade off. Do I go wide and get that extra rank? Is it, is it worthwhile me doing that? Yeah. Or do I go deep and I'd go five wide like, like I used to and, but Hey, I get the extra three ranks, uh, the, the plus three to the combat for all my extra ranks at the end. So. Nice. So how does that play out? How does like combat, I mean, clearly you've played enough of this game to know <laughs> how the basic maths of this works. How, what does a good combat res kind of look like? Cause I know that back in the day you'd be like, well, I got three ranks, I've got my command, uh, and mm. I've done a couple wounds and that equals, you know, blah, blah. That's my combat. And this is yours. Let, you know, you've done so many damage and you have so many ranks and we've added your command. And then the difference makes your, um, you know, who won. Um, and by how much? Uh, how does that sort of play out in Ninth Age? Is it is it the same system? Pretty much exactly the same. Okay, uh, there's a cool. few little extra bonuses you can get in there. So if you've got um, two banners, you can get the extra extra banner thrown in there as well now. Or you got three banners. Say you got a three units in combat, you can get all the banners up. Oh, nice. Um, but largely, you get extra bonuses for for being in the flank, which you used to get. But if mm-hmm. you've got if you're in the flank and you've got two ranks, you get an extra bonus there as well. Um, yeah, just, just a few other little sort of buffs here and there to, to make it a, a bit more valuable to get in flanks and rears and that sort of thing, but really much the same. Nice. All right. Well, let's, let's hit that next elephant in the room because <laughs> with, with all these game systems running around, um, Kings of War, of course, requires you to multi-base. Well, it doesn't require, but it encourages you to have yeah. these giant blocks, um, that you you know move around and you know that mm. makes moving models a lot easier and then age of sigmar of course um, requires the jump to rounds or ovals and if you're playing a game like warlords of Erewhon, uh with that game it's you know base agnostic but you still can't run mm. king of war massive bases but you could you know run the little any you know rounds or squares yeah. Ninth age by the by definition by it being a rank and flank. I'm assuming we're still on squares. Or is have base sizes changed, or are we still using the same fantasy bases we used before? Effectively, we're still using the fantasy bases we used before. 
they have clarified it a little bit in that um, every unit entry in an army book has also got a base size that comes with it now. So you know, hey, I'm meant to be on this size base. Nice. Um, a lot of people still go for, for unit fillers though. Um, I know when I'm putting a unit together, I'm probably looking at about, ooh, depending on the unit, maybe about a third of my unit is unit fillers just because, mm-hmm. you know, you can do some really cool things with unit fillers. Yeah. You can really go for something, you know, cinematics and great combats. Mm-hmm. You can add a lot of flavor to your army by putting a few of those in there as well. Totally. Um, yeah. I mean, the only exception really is that, uh, War Machines now go on a base, so they go on a round base. That's really the only kind of difference, I suppose. Oh, that's interesting. All right, cool. Mm. Nice. All right, well, let's talk about some of the lists because um, one of the cool things about Warhammer Fantasy was always its you know rich tapestry of um, units and armies that you could pull from its amazingly deep history and fluff. Now, um, I'm assuming... Ninth Age, I mean, I, I know GWIP, you can't necessarily call everything the same, but yeah. um, it's not like you're playing in a place called Mantica when the name of the company <laughs> is Mantic. Like, I, I'm assuming there's some sort of good fluff here. I mean, and clearly you guys have the depth of army lists. Um, talk to us a little bit about how, how that works. Yeah, cool. So it's something they're um, really building up at the moment so mm-hmm. they've they've got some cool fluff on uh on the website so it's uh ninthage.com mm-hmm. um some of the the uh the full army books they've released have some really nice fluff in there as well um and look to be honest otherwise i'm sort of drawing from a lot of the fluff from games workshop when i put my army together so yeah. i'm still putting together the uh like i'm putting together kingdom of equitane army at the moment mm-hmm. which basically is the old bretonians yeah, um, nice. I'm still putting those together in a similar sort of paint scheme as the old the old previous Bretonians. Uh, yeah, just just you know, draw my inspiration from from different places or from fantasy novels or whatever sort of really drives me at the time, sort of thing. Nice. Yeah, I mean, I I won't lie. Your this conversation has me uh, looking literally in the <laughs> corner of the room I'm sitting in at the uh, Warriors of Chaos army that is sitting in a case. Uh, that yeah. I I mean that is ancient by today's standards, but um, I've been using to play Warlords of Erewhon of late. And mm. uh, yeah, it's, it's still on squares. Um, now with that, would you, I mean, for those of us who played eighth, mm. coming to the ninth age, um, I know the jump from seventh to eighth all of a sudden meant your army's got a lot bigger because it seems mm. that point values came down significantly. Um, you were encouraged to take larger units and then all of a sudden the models got ridiculously big Um, and game suddenly turned into instead of having giant units you had giant monsters usually with how does and then if you were particularly ridiculous you had how does on how does on how does on how does (laughs) yo bro i heard you like a how does so i put a how to on your how to um (laughs) people who played in those days know what i'm talking about uh what is what does the tabletop look like I guess. I mean, what 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 are we looking at? I mean, is there a variety? Can you play the Monster Mash? Can you play a wall of dudes? I mean, what do people usually... Yeah. I mean, talk to us about this. Yeah, sure. Cool. So, I mean, yeah, you, you can still um, go for slightly skewed lists. You can still go for... Uh, Warriors is a perfect one. You still go for a nice big Monster Mash list in mm-hmm. Warriors. Um, I'd say like a balanced army probably looks something pretty similar to 8th edition. Uh, you know, often a few blocks of infantry. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're dwarves, maybe a couple of war machines, mm-hmm. that sort of thing. Um, but, yeah, you can certainly still go the the big monster mash lists, um, big monstrous infantry lists. It, there's You can still go character heavy, so... Uh, you can still make some really choppy character builds. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's it's sort of a – they've tried to push it such that they've, they've balanced the books in a way that you're not feeling handicapped from taking a certain list or a certain set of units. I know uh, – I, mean, I mean, I'm a Dwarves player, and, and I love big blocks of Slayers, but in 8th edition, you sort of felt like you were taking a handicap. Yeah, you did. Yeah. Yeah, they, they just weren't fantastic. No. Whereas they've tried to balance it out now such that, hey, you can take, you could take a, a hyper-aggressive two big blocks of Slayers, vanguard them up, um, go aggressive and no War Machines to Wharf list, 
And and you really feel like you're something similar in 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 strength as the guy who goes the old, uh, you know, two blocks of crossbowmen, yeah. uh, two organ guns, and a cannon, or, or you know, something similar. And some miners, um, and uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So like you, 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 they've tried to make it such that um, you can go for a slightly skewed list, but you don't feel like you're really giving up. Um, getting a win for the weekend sort of thing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right. Well, I mean, one of the things I like about Warlords of Erewhon, Rick Priestley's newest mm. game, is that it is very, I mean, it's still a first edition game, and I know that Warlords coming out with its FAQ soon, so I know there's going to be a couple people yelling at me in the background when I say this next thing, but just bear with me. It's a pretty damn balanced game. Now, there's a mm. few things that probably need a little leveling here and there, but, you know, give it a break. It's new. Um, but mm. I like that the game itself feels... Um, it's not like there is a... Everything was built at the same time. Everything was sort of laid out at the same time, and all of the lists were built next to one another to try and ensure that one army didn't just stomp the crap out of everything else because it's mm. the new hotness. And the next army yeah. after that didn't stomp the crap out of the last, the next one, and, and so forth and so on. Um, given that there isn't a game company pushing this anymore, um, and given that uh, it was laid out in the similar way to Warlords in that it's laid out sort of all at once and has been tweaked that way, this... this this has the potential of being a fairly balanced game. Um, what, talk to us a little bit about that, because I know that towards the end, there were some people like myself um, who kind of left eighth because of balance issues. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And it's something I um, I really enjoy in a game is that um, can I bring, you know, again, Kingdom of Equitain in Britonia, like, mm -hmm. They, they were a little bit handicapped, I feel, in 8th edition because they weren't necessarily the strongest or, or say, Beastmen. Oh, yeah. And I, and I love a game that um, I often pick up an army because I just I love the units, I love the look of it on a table, yeah. uh, I love the fluff, it might be something like that, and I'm just like, yeah, I really want to paint up um, this big block of knights. Mm -hmm. And so I, I, I like a game that you're not handicapped in um, if, if, that's, if that's what you want to do yeah. just because you chose that certain army. And it's something that that Ninth Age has been hyper aware of is 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 the balance of different armies and and how they kind of keep them reasonably close to each other. I mean, that doesn't mean that uh, that that it's uh, you know that we're playing chess here and that um, you know it's just black versus white and we've all got the same units and we're all playing with the same thing and it's perfectly balanced. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you do have some games where say I'm playing I'm playing Bretonians, so I've got all the army, I've got all the uh, all the armor, and I just turn up and this guy's got all the toxic attacks and that's just ignoring my armor and it's like well probably not going to have the best game <laughs> yeah. here. But it's not but, like you feel that way. <laughs> every time you put it on the tabletop that's exactly right yeah yeah, yeah. so that's that's part of why I've, i really like ninth is that they've they've put a bit of work into balancing out the armies a bit balancing out the units internal to each army so that you can pick the unit that you like and, and not be handicapped um and i feel like they've they're, they're constantly doing sort of smaller tweaks to the armies and the like but they've they've reached a point where they've really got a, a good level of balance between the different armies and the units Okay. Well, let's let's talk about where people. I think we've thrown out some some pretty ju juicy info about this. If people mm. want to find out more, before I forget, and because I, I am likely to, um, you did mention the Ninth Age website. Um, now, are are the I know the rules and the army mm. lists and including the new hot ones um, that are fully teased out. I know they're PDFs because I've seen the links. Um, if someone's looking to get into this game, how much are they looking to spend not on models because a lot mm. of us have fantasy models in our cupboards as it is. Um, <laughs> but if you're looking just to get in from a pure rules slash army list standpoint, how does, how does that work? T tell us, yeah, tell us a little bit about how one gets into this game. That's, that's the beautiful thing. So that's, it's all free online. Um, so you go to the ninth age.com mm -hmm. or just Google, uh, ninth age in, um, and, and you'll, you'll see there's a section in the, on the website that with the, uh, the download section, mm -hmm. uh, in there is all of the, the base rule book, all of the magic rules, 
uh, all of the, the in the magic rules, they've got the uh, magic weapons that you can take as well. Um, and then there's all the separate 16 separate army books in there as well. Um, so yeah, just jump on there, download them. Um, I usually print mine off so that I've got that nice hard copy when I go along to yeah. a, to play at the shop or down the club. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, everything's free there. There's there's plenty of free art, and they do a uh, if that's something that people are interested in. They also do a uh, magazine that they release every sort of couple of months that has some more fluff in it that has a battle report that's got some um, uh, some other sort of how to build terrain and mm-hmm. paint and those sort of tutorials as well. So there's a lot of free content that, uh, that they're constantly releasing there as well. Check yeah. it out. Now, one of the things that I know I heard the naysayers love <laughs> to talk about when this, when, they, when you know, people talked about the ninth age coming out. Um, oh, ninth edition. Uh, it's not going to be sustainable. No one's going to be playing it because they won't be supported. And how can a game possibly keep going? Um, who's going to pay for it? Well, if everything's free, how is this happening? Website largely there from donations. And the last I'd heard that they had donations enough to keep the website going for about another 20 years or so. So yeah. I don't think it's going away for any particular money shortage at any time soon. Yeah. Um, there are companies that are getting behind it now that are um, selling sort of hardcover books and uh, the rule book and the like on eBay. Um, and there's other sort of model companies that are getting in it mm-hmm. into it now that are saying releasing new models and saying, hey, this is works with the ninth age. Um, so, yeah, there's there's sort of that, that groundswell that's sitting behind it. And, look, we just had a teams tournament in Germany with, I think it was about 330 players. Absolutely insane. Just crazy. Wow. Yeah, that is insane. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, it doesn't sound like that game's dying, does it? Not just at the moment. No, no, we're, we're kicking on. <laughs> nice. All right. Well, um, if you are looking to play this um locally uh Mm. now i'm talking um this is an australian-based podcast um but you and i are both based in the city of melbourne um and i'm sure that people can take the what you're about to say and apply it sort of uh anecdotally to their own neighborhood um and find their local neighbor you know the friendly neighborhood uh, ninth age group um Mm. but talk to us a little bit about if people are curious ninth age curious and they want to get in on this um, where do you play? Um, where can people see this game being played? And are yeah. there local events? I mean, how? Uh, ha- talk to us about the local scene. Yeah, cool. So the, the best place to kind of meet up with, uh, with gamers is uh, on Facebook. So uh, the uh, Ninth Age Australia. So hook onto that Facebook page mm-hmm. and um, post up there. There's always people sort of keen for a chat, keen to, to show you the ropes. Uh, here in Melbourne... We uh, regularly get together at um, a place called Torboy and Moose, which is a pub at Preston. So we meet there on a Thursday night. Mm-hmm. There's a, a gaming club called Axes and Ales. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, fan- fantastic club. Um, fantastic scenery. They've got mm-hmm. plenty of tables and the beers are just brilliant. <laughs> yeah, man, that terrain is hot. If, if you guys are not... Um, aware uh axis nails is a fantastic gaming club run um partially at least by viv who runs the wonderful company who's been on this show before uh knights of dice those guys are australian producers of you know wonderful terrain figure cases i know they just got their um cardboard box uh, adapt modular mm. miniature storage system up and running, uh, which I know has been a project long in the making for them. So, man, they're kicking goals. So, and I know, I'm, look, I'm looking at some weird six millimeter models all of a sudden, <laughs> and they are weirdly, I think, um, I, I'm sympathetic with sympathetic uh, tendencies, uh, mental waves, whatever. Um, they're doing six millimeter terrain all of a sudden and i'm looking at him going are you reading my mind are you watching my hobby room <laughs> anyway um axes and ales tell us about it because besides the beer being excellent i hear the camaraderie there is great and it's not just ninth age that's being played there it's all kinds of games yeah there's there's always a real mix uh at axes and ales so there's ooh, probably 
there's probably uh, on average maybe 20 gamers there on a Thursday night mm-hmm. um, playing anything from there's Blood Bowl, sometimes there's little card games. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there's um, Infinity, um, the the new um, Game of Thrones game. There's mm-hmm. been that, a lot of that getting played down there. Uh, and, of course, we're playing Ninth Age there as well. So uh, usually one, maybe two games a night, we get some some Ninth in there as well. So, yeah, it's a real mix of, of gamers, um, really great group. Nice. Now, okay, now that's the that's the weekly meetup. That's the hangout. But hmm. uh, are there events? Yeah, yeah. So uh, we've got actually one coming up fairly shortly, uh, the 2nd of June, out oh, nice. at House, House of War. Um, we play, we play it more as a games day rather than a tournament. Mm-hmm. So it's just pitch up. Um, we meet there when they open at 10, uh, we usually play the first game from like 10 30 till about lunchtime, mm-hmm. have an hour for lunch, have a good chat over lunch, have another game after, after lunch. And that's about it. Um, we also play at, uh, at good games in the city. So oh, nice. the one uh, on Lonsdale street. Yeah, that's the one. That's the one. Nice. So we meet there. Oh, Probably between House of War and Good Games, we probably meet about once a month or so, run one of those little games days. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a great little pub downstairs from Good Games, so same thing. We'd have a game, we go for a beer, we mm-hmm. come back, have another game. It's just really relaxed, so yeah, good fun. Nice, man. Oh, I'm loving the sound of this. <laughs> Ooh, especially the non-competitive. Um, just to sort of tangent hard for a second, um, I've been playing mm. a lot of one-day events um, that friends have been running. So we had um, Book of Grudges, which was a Warlords of Arrow one event, where it's just some folks showing up. And we we did organize the game times, and we did organize the missions, and ran it kind of like an event, but there weren't any trophies. It was literally just getting together organizing games and it was a good game so we went down to the same pub you were talking about and um had some beers afterwards and you know talked about things and um we recently did the same thing um and we organized um a a a weirdly um a chinese versus japanese it was a Mm. china campaign bolt action uh campaign day and um, I think we had six players uh, over the course of the day. It was uh, put together by our good buddy Rob, and we played, and it was it was brilliant. And I got to run my Nationalist Chinese, um, and I got to play historical games on historical tables. Uh, and it was just, you know, again, very super loosely organized. But it was, but- we're going to play some games, we're going to have some lunch, we're going to get some beers, and we're, it's just mm. good community, right? Yeah, for sure. I mean, the the the, the most fun I think event we've done uh, at Good Games was a uh, Melbourne Cup themed event. So nice. we did it on Melbourne Cup Day because it's a public holiday here, mm-hmm. obviously. Um, and everyone was encouraged to bring cavalry themed Ninth Age lists. So as much cavalry as you could possibly get into your lists. Awesome. Um, and again, you know, didn't have a uh, didn't have any prizes for first place or anything. Um, yeah, it was just good fun. Went and watched the the race uh, over lunch downstairs. Played mm-hmm. a game in the afternoon again. Just just real social, good fun game. So. And for U.S. listeners, uh, the Melbourne Cup is a huge Kentucky <laughs> Derby style horse race. Um, it is literally a public holiday here in Victoria, the state where Melbourne is, and uh, it is watched internationally. So uh, it's a big deal, kids. <laughs> Yeah, but yeah, so that's awesome, man. I love it. And oh, that I actually have a lot of cavalry models from different projects, so that would have been a lot of fun to attend. Excellent. It's hilariously good fun because it comes off like whoever can get that charge probably mm-hmm. wins the day. So yeah. everyone's just clinging to those two d six dice rolls, just praying that it doesn't <laughs> that it doesn't screw them. <laughs> exactly, but it's also not like you're gonna you know meta it completely up and wreck somebody <laughs> with it. Um, which I guess does beg the question. Um, I do remember one of the big things that um, was sort of an eighth problem towards the end. And just to circle back to, because um, I do have a couple more quick questions uh, about Ninth Age. Do Death Stars, is that still a thing? Not as much as it used to be, I don't okay, think. Okay, let me explain uh, what that is for mm-hmm. those who may not know. A Death Star is where you have a unit and you sort of overpopulate it with character models. So all of a sudden, sort of the first rank of it, you don't actually face the unit itself. Instead, you're just facing like five characters who are standing at the front of mm. that particular army. 
Um, I would make a comment about, you know, recent Marvel movie ending, but I don't want to spoil anything. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> um, spoilers. Uh, so but, that's probably a really good point then, Brad. Um, I was sort of thinking as you were asking that, why, why don't we see major death stars? What's changed from eighth? Part of that is that rank and file can always attack rank and file now. Oh, so cool. You, yeah. So where previously, like you say, you'd have, like the unit ogres with three big guys in the front, you'd be like, oh, great, here's my toughness, uh, my strength three or strength four guys. Mm -hmm. They're just never going to do any damage to these guys because I've got to allocate against these characters. No, now it's a case of always rank and and file can always attack rank and file. Um, So I'm getting something out of my unit at least. That's cool because uh, (laughs) never having faced that before, Sigh. Um, yeah, no. Uh, Dave of War famously kicked my face in with that particular unit more times than I can count. Uh, yeah. Well, that's good to know that that's changed. Oh, man, I have so many questions. The more I think about this, the more I'm like, oh, tell me about this. Jack, my friend, tell me more about this. Uh, let's let's talk about um, the scene, though. Um, when people get together. Uh, what are, I mean, are we... There was always this wonderful, um, and by wonderful, I mean vast, not amazing, um, <laughs> variation in fantasy armies at big 8th eighth ed, edition events, especially at the end, where you would get giant, gorgeous armies that people mm. had spent an eon on. And, you know, every model was lovingly converted and had, you know, hand-painted... Um, a, you know, a little tiny intricate designed shield, um, f- everything. I mean, it was gorgeous. Mm. The, the standards were top notch. And then you'd have like barely primed three colors kind of infantry. Mm. Where has Ninth Age gone? Who are the people playing this? Are we still seeing that variation? Is it more... Are we more hobby-oriented here? I mean, it doesn't sound like competition's what's driving this. Certainly not in Melbourne. Um, competition isn't driving it. So our scene okay. here is, is super casual. Um, we're really, yeah, just enjoying getting together and having some games. Um, I'd say you've still got a, a lot of variance across the hobby in terms of the hobby levels. Um, you've still got some of those beautifully painted um, painted armies, Um Certainly, like a lot of the unit fillers gives you a lot more play to, yeah. to do some nice big stuff. Uh, some of the new models rules that they've released and the bigger bases just gives you opportunity to to really go to town and, and model something up. Um, the different model companies that are kicking about now, and you obviously with, with Ninth Age, we're not tied mm-hmm. to a single model company, so you're not... Uh, you can basically draw on different companies that are kicking about and, yeah. and get some really different looking uh, models and units on the board. Um, so, yeah, it, it's a big, still a big part of what our community is doing uh, and how we're growing here in Melbourne. So, yeah, that those beautifully painted models, we're, we're keen to get them back out. Nice. Yeah, man, that's sounding good. Yeah, I was noticing um, when I was digging around for Warlord of Erewhon's models that there were ninth age models uh, being advertised on websites um mirce mm. was, was one of the companies i think that was uh doing ninth age maybe Beautiful. am i making yeah. that up uh no. and their models are astonishingly gorgeous mm. Mm. avatars of war is another one that yes. do, just does some amazing character models and their slayer models are really mm-hmm. nice yeah man they do some nice rank and flank too i gotta say um mm. their chaos warrior models are they're very nice uh, and then yeah. things like Titan Forge. There's just there's a mm-hmm. lot of really, just really great fantasy ranges out there. Um, I know an old friend from a million years ago, um, and I can't think of the name of his company right now. Is it Watchful Eye? Um, Joe Crone um, mm. has a company, and he's been doing terracotta warrior armies. Um, and he just did a Kickstarter for them. And he, I know he's going to put them back out. Um, and it's just, I think, a matter of production. But they are also gorgeous models. And I, I'm, I know he mentioned Ninth Age on his website when he was advertising that. Um, well, the, uh, the what they call Undying Dynasty, Dynasties, which are uh, basically the old Tomb Kings, now have a, uh, uh, an upgrade which you can basically take for the whole army, which is called the Terracotta Upgrade, which gives them extra toughness 
um, but reduces the amount they raise. So you could do a full terracotta undying dynasty's army with all the chariots and uh, yeah, yeah, just a beautiful army um, with those with those alternate alternative miniatures. Why did you have to tell me that? <laughs> You're actually a bad Super person. Super quick for to that. paint, get it on the board. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, too bad GW doesn't make that paint called terracotta anymore, does is it? Uh. Uh. <laughs> now, Jack, I, I know some folks will definitely want to hear more about Ninth Age and will probably want to hear more from you. Um, now, lucky for them, you actually have a show where you're talking about Ninth Age. Can you tell us a little bit about where we can find out more of you talking about this game? Yeah, cool. So, look, we've just started a podcast. I've only got a couple of episodes mm -hmm. at the moment. Uh, it's called Battle Focus. So find us on iTunes. Mm -hmm. uh, yes, yeah, so there's a little bit more there. It's focused around Ninth Age in Melbourne, what's going on in the scene, what sort of tournaments we've been to, what we're doing in terms of the hobby, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Nice. And what kind of things are you working on right now? I mean, just to give someone a, just a quick snapshot into what someone who might be into this game, what's going on with them? So what, what are you kind of working on these days? So I'm just wrapping up the painting of a Bretonian army, mm -hmm. um, which I took to a tournament in Newcastle uh, about two weeks ago. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, just sort of finishing off, adding some other bits and pieces to that, you know, some extra characters and that mm -hmm. sort of thing. Um, I'm actually doing it as a combined Bretonian and Empire army with a focus around this sort of um, religious zealots type of list. So... Um, basically, uh, I've got, uh, a bunch of warrior priest models from different companies to make up a nice big unit of, uh, what used to be like the old great swords. Nice. Um, I'm going to put a whole bunch of flagellants into a unit. Uh, I'm going to do like a, a war wagon being pulled by flagellants. Uh, so yeah, that's, that's on my hobby table at the moment. Um, and I've also got this sort of idea of, uh, of this, uh, in like this head, head cannon type of thing where, uh, these sort of empire uh, warrior priests have gone down to the kingdom of Equitain and convinced them um, that uh, that the Lady of the Lake and Sunna, which is the the sort of uh, the leader for the uh, for the empire people, uh, are the same person that the Lady of the, that that Sunna is the Lady of the Lake come to come to Earth sort of thing. Um, so all of these Bretonian knights are now kind of mixed in with this with this empire force because they've become sort of religious zealots, believing that they're serving the lady by uh, by working with Sunna sort of thing. So, yeah, yeah, that, that's what's on my table at the moment. <laughs> nice. Well, that kind of that kind of brings to mind. I know that um, one of another one of those things that people were saying, oh, poo pooing like Eighth Edition continuing um, as its own thing without you know GW support was. Oh, uh, well, will there be, will there be fluff? Will there be background? And I know we've mm. talked about their having, but just you met, talking about you theming your army is exactly mm. the kind of thing that um, drove me as a hobbyist. It was that idea mm. of having that theme, building an army to it, like really getting deep into the narrative of it, the narrative element. And it sounds like that's alive and well. Yeah, for sure. I mean, um, I'm also got a, a a dwarf army that's very heavily focused around slayers, and they've got a new unit which is called Hole Guardians. And mm -hmm. basically, the the fluff or the thinking behind them is the sort of statues that are brought to life, that um, that are you know rune carved that are now serving the hold or protecting the hold. Um, and mine are uh, the so same thing. Avatars of War. If you can buy a, an STL file from them and 3D print this sort of uh, Slayer statue. And so I've bought that and I've 3D printed all of these like Slayer statues and mounted them so that they're, the, they're my whole guardians in my sort of, um, my sort of Slayer themed list. That's um, awesome. Guess the other cool thing uh, with Ninth is that they've in, in sort of pushing away from G-Dub fluff um, they don't have the the old uh, four god the four gods from mm -hmm. uh, from uh, the warriors the dark gods anymore. Mm -hmm. They now have the seven deadly sins. Oh, I like it. So yeah, you can put like a gluttony list together with all these you know gluttony guys, or you can put like a like a wrath list together with all these angry guys. Yeah, and and each how they've written the fluff is such that each. Um, 
each sin is considered to be a sin, but hey, it's also a um, uh, like a a positive. Like you're you're wrathful, you might be angry, but hey, you're also a proud warrior. So there's there's pluses and minuses. Like you can see how people go towards this path because um, sloth is a great example. You might be sloth, and people go, "Oh, you're lazy," but hey, you're also pretty considered. You're you're thinking everything out. Mm. So like every every sin is also kind of a uh, you know, a good trait to have in a person as well. So you can see how these people end up following these gods. So, Okay, I need to read that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Especially since I have a lot of demon models. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Oh, the, the demons book they've put together is just ah, fantastic. I play demons myself. Just uh, recently put a, an army together um, and just had so much fun painting those guys up, uh, putting a list together. The, again, to sell it, the sort of, my favorite thing about the demons book and what draw me in was I have the forge world, great unclean model, mm-hmm. the, the big, the big guy. Um, but he never fit on any base. Like no. he was just way too big, Yes. but they've, but they've now got a, a new character, um, a greater demon, which is um, on a one fifty wide by 100 deep. So he's on a <laughs> massive, he's on a massive base and it fits that model just perfectly. Nice. Um, and and the rules for that model are that uh, for every wound that he inflicts in hand-to-hand combat, um, he rolls. And on a four plus, he gets an extra wound. So he starts with nine wounds, and he can get up to eighteen wounds because he's just eating the guys that he's killing. Awesome. Uh, and then if he gets more than eighteen, he explodes because he's just eaten too much. <laughs> that is awesome. I love it's just that. Getting those big models on the board, um, yeah, just it makes it look beautiful. Yeah, I have. Um, okay, I'm gonna get a little personal. Uh, I uh, years and years ago, um, I sculpted a entire army out of green stuff. Um, I, I think I was traveling in the United States. I had terrible jet lag, and I just wasn't sleeping. And something in me, I think, snapped, and I I sculpted an entire army of floating eyeballs. Um, <laughs> with and you might be like, oh, you made a bunch of you know balls. And that's it. No, I actually sculpted eyelids and a lot of, I put a lot of work into it. Um, mm. And it took a long time. And it was, I think, $120 worth of green stuff. Um, mm. And then I painted it and got it done. And I, I've been using it. And it was always a zinch list mm. in fantasy uh, and in 40K. And it was, um, and I have the the bases that they fit them all for fantasy. And it was literally, they would just sort of float around and cast magic and blink at people. And, you know, I had a million and one eye jokes that went with that, that, you know, <laughs> dad joke me, you know, primary school teacher would rock out. Um, would that list fit in um, a ninth age somehow? Is I'm not sure. I'm trying to think of the deadly sins. Is winking at one of somebody <laughs> a deadly sin? <laughs> No, it'd fit perfectly. It'd fit absolutely perfectly. Yeah, yeah. There's um, because because again, there's no kind of strict models for any of the requirements. They're mm. just you could use them as uh, there's sort of like myrmidons um, that are sort of cast like spell similar sort of similar to like the old Zeech, which mm-hmm. is sort of casters. Um, yeah, no, that that'd look fantastic. That's that's the sort of thing I'd love to see getting out. Like yeah. people have these armies that are sitting on the shelves that they haven't touched for years. And it's like, yep. ah, bring it along, let's get it out, guys. They're great. Yeah, that's one of those armies that I literally every twelve months or so I pull it out, look at it, sigh, put it back in its case, and put it away because it's like there's literally I can't even. I mean, it's, they're on round bases. I could technically play Age of Sigmar with them, but people mm. look at it and they're like, it's, it's not GW models. And I go, okay, well, I'll put it back in its case then. But Definitely not a complaint you'll get with Knight. <laughs> this, is, this is sounding very good to me. All right. Well, let's, all right. Jack, I have really enjoyed this conversation. Um, thank you very much for coming on, and I'm glad you guys reached out. And I know, I, I know you reached out personally to say, "Hey, would you like to talk about this?" But you have not been alone. I've had a lot of people asking for if for me to sort of give uh, Ninth Age its its fair go, um, and uh, I'm glad I did. This has been a great episode, and just to bring it full circle. Um, I know occasionally at the end of episodes I say, you know, I I really do thank people for reaching out and contacting me. And guys, thank you so much. I have 
as always, I really appreciate the feedback that people give um, about episodes that they've liked or um, <laughs> in some cases that they haven't. Um, and I do try and take on um, requests. I know it's a little weird sometimes because uh, this is a, a, a podcast that is largely driven by, weirdly, my own passion. Um, and so if I'm not particularly passionate or knowledgeable about something, it can sometimes be um, difficult to 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 make something happen, given that it's um, a one-man show, if that makes sense. Uh, but th- I think this is a perfect example of something that I maybe wasn't super excited about um, to start with, uh, but I absolutely um, had enough requests and enough people saying, hey, Brad, you should do this. You would like this. And I went, okay. And it has been wonderful. So um, again, Jack, thank you for reaching out. And to all of you who requested that I do this episode, uh, I'm not going to name you, but thank you all very, very much um, because I'm definitely going to be looking at this game. And oh, I need another game system like I need a hole in my head. (laughs) Jack. Um, But yeah, Jack, thank you so much for coming on, man. And tell us again, how can we hear your voice on another podcast? Um, take us out. Yeah, perfect. Thanks for, I mean, thanks for having me on. It's been an absolute blast. Um, I'd say hit us up on the Facebook page, uh, Ninth Age Australia. Message me there, um, post up there. There's always guys that are keen to take new players through a game. Um, and Battle Focus podcast. Uh, say we've only got a couple of episodes at the moment, um, but look, we're looking to get more out shortly. So nice. thanks I'm- for having me on. Anytime, man. Anytime. I, I have loved having you on, and I'm definitely going to be checking out your show. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, it, it is that time of night, though, and I have to say, as always, uh, when you are playing the games that we know and love, I hope, no matter what, you are... You're, ah, I can't even say it right. I'm so tired. I hope your beverages are cold. I hope your dice roll hot. But more than anything else, I hope that you are having fun. Good night. And that track